Hello and welcome to the Paranormal or What podcast with me, your host, Michaela Ford. How's your week been? Hard? Tiring? Well then, come on in, draw up a chair, put your feet up and pour yourself a drink. Let me tell you what's been happening in the world of the paranormal this week. In tonight's episode, we have the Ghost Story Guys who run a podcast from the good old US of A. However, it's a podcast with a twist, because it covers two continents. Are you intrigued? Well, you should be. Are you ready? Sit back, put your feet up, and enjoy the interview. It's a corker. There we go. So, first of all, I would like to um, welcome my two interviewees tonight. Um, they are the guys, they are the ghost story guys, who are Brennan Starr and Paul Bessel. Welcome, guys. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Okay, no problem. Now, I have written down a, a variety of questions, um, mainly for my... Uh, personal um point of view here because i always worry i'm terrified of not knowing what to say so <laughs> we may not need any of the questions um or you may find that i have a sudden moment of panic and start firing things at you so uh let's just see how it goes and i'm afraid it is going to start with the most boring dull but in some ways really interesting question which is how did you both get into the paranormal in the first place? Oh, man. Let's start with Brennan. Uh, for me, yeah. I When I was a kid, I really liked ghost stories. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I've learned kind of later in life that some things had happened to me when I was younger, you know, um, paranormally speaking. But um, really, my interest came from stories. I would I would sit in the library with my friends and I would read them. We had these, you know, because, hey, trouble stoked. I don't think anyone's going to be doing too much reading. Uh, these books about this thick, you know, and uh, I would read to my friends ghost stories. And I think that's probably where my interest started, you know, back then. It's kind of gone in and out, but that's probably the beginning. Yeah, fantastic. Paul? I, I grew up in a haunted house. Ooh. So, it was, you know, I didn't really have much choice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we lived in a in a converted vicarage. Uh, straight across from the local church and graveyard so uh, uh, we started having strange things start happening when I was about four once we discovered a grave in the front garden. Wow and who who's, was the grave? Uh, it was a six-month-old baby that had died at the end of the 18th century. Wow and can you tell me a bit about what happened in your house? Uh, yeah, we had um, we had a ghost that seemed to be obsessed with plumbing. Um, it would often uh, sort of announce its arrival by flushing the toilet. 
um, several times, which was always quite strange. And then you knew stuff was happening. Um, it used to like banging about on the walls and the ceiling and stuff would drop out the ceiling and they used to fill the bath up um, wow. full of cold water. Um, used to oh. roll the carpet up. Oh, sorry, I just had a revelation. This is an Italian ghost. It likes plumbing, <laughs> it's doing masonry. Anyways, I'm sorry. So yeah. Um, so yeah, we were there till I was about seven and a half, eight, and it continued for about four years till we left. Wow, and did you ever get to the bottom of it? Did you ever try and find out who it was? Uh no, not really, not really. We just kind of got used to it. It's 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 quite weird um that you just kind of just carry on. Um, but I we had a lot of I had a lot of babysitters. I'll say that much. I bet you did. Gosh, <laughs> well, I hope they didn't leave you in the lurch before your parents got back. <laughs> no, 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 back in those days, they they were usually home by eleven because the pubs usually shut about half past ten. So uh, yeah, no, no, we had a we had a few. I had a few cousins who would babysit once, and that was it. And that was it. Oh wow, that's amazing. <laughs> and um brendan have you got any personal stories that you'd like to share with, with us about oh, spooky things that happened to you yeah i mean probably my most dramatic thing that happened didn't really happen until i was uh started researching my book a strange little place um available everywhere fine books are sold um because i didn't really believe in the paranormal you know i went through that period i i was raised catholic and i didn't like it very much so i went through a period where i was the angry atheist guy who would defeat you with facts and logic. Yeah, I was that guy. So there's hope for some of those assholes, some of them. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so when I started getting into the ghost story thing again and and started researching, uh, I saw my first shadow person, and I didn't even know what it was. I'd never even heard of them. But one day I was at the office where I used to work. I was talking to the receptionist, and uh, it was just us in the office that day. And it was a big office, about 1,600 square feet. Sorry, one second. No, it's here now. <laughs> <laughs> but it was about uh, 1,600 square feet and, you know, four or five offices. And we were the only people there. But as we were talking, out of the corner of my eye, I saw this all black head peek out from behind a coat rack in this office just off to my right. And it held there just long enough, I think, for me to see it. And then it slowly went back up. And I didn't know what to do. I just panicked. I mean, internally I panicked and I had to really clamp down on it because what he's do, right? Yeah. But um, I, I'd seen it. And then about, I want to say about two weeks after that, maybe I was, uh, it was April, sorry, it was May, May 2012, I think. And I was, uh, yeah, May 2012. And I was laying in bed and my, my wife works grown up hours. So she had gone to work already. And I think it was about, Eight, eight o'clock, eight thirty, something like that. I was laying, woke up, and I'm laying in bed. The sun's coming through the blinds. It was quite nice, and I realized there's someone standing to my left, but that's not possible because there's a bedside table there. And so I turned to look, and as I did this, I saw a shadow in the shape of a man, and before I had time to react, it fell across me, in the bed, and uh, I felt this electrical current all through my body. And I passed out and I woke up about a half hour later and I thought, well, that was weird. <laughs> and, Is that all you thought? <laughs> well, I mean, again, I still was, I still was disbelieving. I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to believe that I was actually seeing something paranormal. Cause again, yeah. I'd never heard of shadow people at that point. Yeah. 
And um, what I really noticed is that begin the that marked the beginning of this uh, brutal depression. Like I've always struggled with depression, but that marked the beginning of this brutal fucking depression that lasted probably two weeks. Like I legitimately felt like there was something hanging around my neck. I was kind of forward all the time and I just felt slow and, and it, it uh, eventually culminated in me provoking an argument with my wife, which I, I don't do, you know? And um, it was almost like after that fight, it was like a boil had popped or something. And I mean, it sounds kooky, but I, I kind of think whatever, I think there was something attached to me. And I think it was trying to provoke that, that experience. Cause it wanted that, that, that feed, that energy, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it's really interesting, isn't it? I don't think that science has anywhere nearly got to a place where it could investigate this. But wouldn't it be really, really interesting to find out how many cases of depression are attached to negative entities and are actually nothing to do with depression as we know it? That would be fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I know someone who works in mental health, and they're, they're, this is someone with, um, you know, they're they're a lettered person. They're not they're not they're not a yokel, and um, you know, like myself, I'm a yokel. I don't I don't have the I don't have the background knowledge, but this person they do, and they work in mental health and they assess people. That's their position, and they they said you know chemical depression is absolutely a thing. A thing. It's a it's a major problem, yeah. but there have been cases where they can quite clearly, because this person can see very well, uh, they have this sort of second sight, which is very, very powerful. And they can see that there is something attached to this person and they can't do anything about it because, yeah. you know, again, they work in this place. They are, they are I mean, I, they're not a scientist, but they, they, they are, their arena is science. And yeah. so they can't tell someone, well, you kind of need to move because wherever you're living, there's something feeding off you and, and that was the case in for one particular woman uh, yeah. again i only ever hear the stories in broad strokes this person doesn't breach confidentiality but this family had moved to a new home and it was her dream home and uh the, the, it was the, the mother of the family was her dream home but the longer she was there the worse she felt and my friend told me that when this woman came in to see them immediately she identified the problem and it was something to do with the land something had latched onto her uh, and of course, at that point, you know, no amount of chemical uh, compensation is going to fix it, you know, mm. but it's you're stuck in a catch 22. You can't do anything about it. So, yeah, to your point, I think that's uh, there's something to be said for that. Yeah, because it would be interesting as well to know whether it was the depression that attracted the negative energies or was it the negative energies that caused the depression? Mm. We'll never know, I don't think. Not in our lifetimes, anyway. Well, we got pretty deep, pretty quick there, didn't we? <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the ghost story, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have moments like that. <laughs> yeah, I love thinking about things like that. Mm. Um, so I have, I'm, I'm just going to um, try and get myself back on track with my list of questions. Um, and what I wanted to first talk about was, um, the ghost story guys for the first 100 episodes uh, was yourself with your previous host Ian and now of course you're working with Paul how did you hook up with Paul and how did he end up on the show well um I first met Paul actually I'm trying to remember where did we meet I think was it something to do with Into the Fray 
Yeah, yeah, we met via Into the Fray, which is another wonderful podcast. As we were, we were both listeners, and then you appeared on Into the Fray, right? About episode seventy-one. Holy shit! Yeah, it was seventy-one. Very nice. Something like that. That's good memory, isn't it? Um, Stop showing off, Paul. I've not even revised, <laughs> and um, and obviously it was on promoting his book, which is available in all good bookshops. <laughs> And uh, and the fact that, that he was launching his own podcast and then we started listening and uh, became social media chums um, and then obviously started talking a bit more as I decided to dip my toe into the world of podcasting. And um, we've kind of spoke regularly for about three years and, and, and it's just a, a, a transatlantic relationships that, that's developed due to our love of the weird. Yeah, yeah. weird you've movies. You've got your own podcast, haven't you, Paul? As well, as Mysteries and Monsters. I have, yes, yes. And you managed to find time to do both. That's impressive. It is, yes. Um... <laughs> Goddamn right it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's one of those things um, that um, I, I'm very regimented when I have my schedule. So I sort of like to be planned ahead and um, I mean, like I've got my next six shows are all recorded already, oh. um, um, which is one of those things because, I mean, my show comes out every week, week in, week out, and has done for what, 137 episodes this week, um, um, which includes, you know, a couple of double bills and things like that and occasional bonus episodes. But um, it, we record the Ghost Story Guys every fortnight, so it allows me a bit of flexibility. So I try not to do more than two uh, shows a week, either two for me or or one for me, and 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 doing the ghost story guys as well. So I, it's pretty easy, really, in regards to the fact that you know we just get to talk crap for four hours to each other about a variety of topics, and and somehow we end up recording a show out of it. Yeah, yeah. sometimes <laughs> five hours. Really... Yes, wow. Sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> Makes me wonder how much you edit out. Um... A lot. Um... <laughs> It seems to be working pretty well then, because at, at the first sort of glance, you'd think, gosh, how do you do a podcast with one of you at one side of the world and one of you at the other? But it seems to be working well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was sort of a gradual transition to this format because for the first uh, four years, really, Ghost Story Guys, we recorded in the same place. You know, we had a studio uh, I used to be the office manager for a consulting company and they let me record in my office, in their office. And yeah. then um, when that... Which is obviously was, the log cabin, isn't it? Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, of yeah. course, yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and then when I, I was let go there, because I, I sort of took the job to its natural conclusion, which was I got them to a place where they didn't need an office manager anymore. And, and I'm actually... <laughs> quite proud of that because i'm very very fucking good at my job and to me that's like i have succeeded now i've streamlined your processes to the point where you don't even need me i get to leave <laughs> um but uh yeah so when that changed i had invested in a startup uh cannabis dispensary which was sort of an industry that was beginning to um it was still gray market here in canada but it was starting to go white market and so we ended up because i had a, a relationship with that landlord and it was very difficult to find uh, space for us to, we were, we was, I'd say it was an online dispensary. So we needed a place to package and distribute or at the very least have an address so we could be municipally licensed. Yeah. And so, uh, because of my relationship with that landlord, 
we were able to rent the previous office because the, the, the consulting company no longer even needed an office. And um, so we recorded there for probably, I was actually just thinking about this because a listener asked me, and I want to say we recorded there until episode late 40s. Something sometime in the late forties, I think by the time we reached haunting of, or I know for a fact, by the time we reached haunting of Las Vegas, which is somewhere in the fifties, we were already out of there. Uh, but that, yeah. that business didn't survive the transition to the legal market. So we ended up having to give up the office and uh, that from there, we started recording in a bunch of different rented studio space and we eventually moved into the apartment. Um, but the pandemic which is really what allowed us to uh, sort of what allowed the show to kind of enter this this phase because we always thought it was sort of dependent on being in the same room, you know, that chemistry. But yeah. obviously when we could no longer be in the same space, I did a lot of research and I figured out, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts. So I knew about things like Zencaster. And so um, I sort of got it set up in such a way that we could record remotely. And so it was really just a, in, like once the transition happened, uh, in, it, technically at least, it was very smooth because the, the processes were already in place. Yeah, I think the um, the pandemic, um, you know, notwithstanding all the terrible things about it, has actually um, forced people to think more creatively and flexibly about how to do things. And I think that's one good thing that's come out of it, that people have not been so rigid now. They think, well, there is a way around this. How, how do we find a way around it? Um, and they found a way to do creative things much more than before, I think. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, I, I kind of realized early on in the pandemic that this was a major moment. You know, I, I, I knew that it was not going to be over quickly. I didn't know how long it would go on, but I knew it would not be over quickly. And I knew that if I had to either adapt or break, and I, and I knew that was going to be a major thing for everyone. You either had to roll with the punches or you were not going to make it. And so it's, it's been extraordinarily difficult for a lot of reasons, personal, professional, but you know, you, 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 you either adapt or you don't. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And nothing can um, kill Paul. So. <laughs> <laughs> Paul will still be here long after we've all gone. Well, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently so now I'm a reincarnation of a vampire. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're just, you're just that guy in slightly different makeup. I'm on to you, Bessel, or should I say Bella? Yeah. <laughs> well. oh. house is going to be so pissed i gotta re rewrite that whole song oh it, actually i have to just bring something up rather randomly um maybe paul's more likely to have seen it because it was on in the uk but you might have had it over there as well brennan and it was a tv program called surviving death <laughs> have you seen that paul yes i have yes it's a six-part program um sort of going on about mediums and reincarnation and and yeah there, there was a little bit about vampires in new orleans which was uh, uh caused me to stroke my chin quite a lot shall we say yes. um, but it was fascinating it mm. was absolutely fascinating and um, that was on netflix so i don't know if you can get it brennan it's it's worth a laugh anyway i was gonna say <laughs> i've seen a few of the episodes i, I liked a couple of them and yeah. others made me want to uh make like elvis and fire my 44 into the television but uh <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Um, I kept forcing my family to watch it on holiday. They were not impressed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in fact, my mother-in-law came in one day and went, oh, you're watching your program again. <laughs> right. So my next question. 
Um, is um, how did both of you get into podcasting? Let's go with Paul first. Um, I basically kept being told that I had a ridiculous amount of knowledge about weird things in my head and it would be beneficial for both me and my mental health to get them out. <laughs> um, so I'm, I, 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 um, I, it, it took me a long time to build up to it. I was kind of planning it for months before I just kind of thought, oh, you know, it's now or never. So I just yeah. kind of jumped in with two feet. So I had always listened to, I mean, it's the, my main source of entertainment. Um, and has been for probably the best part of the last 10 years. Um, yeah. I've, I've been listening to podcasts for, for a considerable period of time from uh, the Graylian Report with Micah Hanks and uh, the Unexplained with Howard Hughes were probably the two that I started listening to the most. Um, and the thing about podcasts is often it, it, it's kind of like a gateway drug to other shows. So um, yeah. the Graylian Report got me into, into the fray into the fray got me into the ghost story guys and monsters among us oh yeah and and introduced me into to people uh, and i started hearing researchers and investigators and authors that i i was not aware of um because i think if you just focus on the content that comes across on television it's a very limited pool of of people and a very limited scope in regards to investigations and discussions yeah. and things and 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 that probably along with my addiction to monster quest um which was which was on discovery at the turn of the last decade um yeah. kind of just gave me that grounding and it's something i've always been interested in i've always loved bigfoot and ghosts and if anything i've probably learned got really back into ufology because i'd kind of really lost interest in that in the subject mm -hmm. um so it, it's been amazing to be honest and i never thought i'd be sat here two and a half years after starting it with so many episodes under my belt and um people who i respect greatly who seem to be fans of my show i mean i interviewed somebody last week um a wonderful lady called michelle soulier who's just released a book called bigfoot in maine um, and she and I, I thought the book was amazing. It's brilliant. Really good book. Really well written. She's a very talented author. Uh, lovely little artist. Runs a bookshop in Maine, in Oregon. Uh, not Oregon, sorry. Maine in um, uh, Maine. Portland in Maine, even. Yeah, yeah I got confused. Confused. My, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and um, and uh, she said, "Oh yeah, I love your show. It's amazing." And I, yeah, when you interview somebody and they say, I'm, "I still get," I'm I'm always humble when somebody like that says something nice to me because I just find it flabbergasting, to be honest. Yeah, it is fantastic. I mean, I've got a very very tiny podcast with about twenty listeners, and I think, <laughs> um, um, but if somebody says to me, "Oh, I listened to your podcast and I really enjoyed it," it just makes me absolutely blown away. It's just the best feeling ever, isn't it? That you think, oh my goodness, someone's actually listened to what I said. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, um, yeah. I mean, like I say, because at the end of the day, I'm just some random bloke in Sheffield. Um, and, and, and the fact that the majority of my audience is in North America as well, um, 
you know, six, I think 65% of my listeners are based in the US and Canada, which is yeah. remarkable. Um, I mean, when I first started, I once got an email from someone in America asking me why I was putting on such a poor British accent because people speak <laughs> like this. Um, but I, I, as, um, I mean, I did an interview with another show yesterday and they were saying, well, there's no way you can fake that accent unless you are from South Yorkshire um, <laughs> because it's exactly. a very it's a very unique mix of two different places in in Yorkshire. Um, which is quite odd because it confuses people in Sheffield because they think I'm from Manchester, which I never really understood because uh, <laughs> I've got friends from Manchester and I don't sound anything like, but there no, we have not it. not at all. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Well, at least they didn't think you were Australian, which is what I got when I was over in the US. Oh, my, <laughs> my wife gets that me still. If I was Australian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nikki still gets oh. that. Drives her nuts. Yeah. Oh. It's like Canadians always get insulted because people think they're American when they come to the UK as well. Yeah. There's also this, although I got to say, you know, th there was that period, uh, like 10 years under a conservative government where we sort of lost our ability to look down our nose at anyone. So <laughs> join the club. Uh, yeah, fair. So Brennan, how did you get into podcasting? Uh, really, I've always loved radio. And I think if you listen to the show, and I have been told this by our listeners, you know, it's, it's very much got that sort of old school radio vibe. You know, when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I would I would listen to CKCR in my bedroom, which was our one radio station. And uh, I just, I would listen to music. They would play classic radio dramas like Dimension X and Halls of Fantasy and Fibber McGee and Molly. So that was sort of my primary method of entertainment for a long time. And then I would listen to podcasts, you know, and when I knew Strange was going to be coming out, I started trying to get to know people in the field so you know I would, I would participate in live streams or i would uh you know ask questions on air things like this and it just sort of worked and i got on the shows i mean i i yeah and then of course uh when i met you know my, my former co-host ian uh he was looking for advice on selling a book because his book was coming out later that uh early the next spring and I mean, I've always, I'd thought about doing a podcast for years, but my thing was, well, who the fuck cares what I have to say? Um, you know, and uh, I would no idea what it'd be about, you know, cause really my thing is movies. I love movies. Uh, oh although, you know, also as I've gotten older, I've sort of developed an interest in current events and things like this, but I, I know way less about that than I do movies. But um, yeah. And so he suggested we, cause we sat down and we said, I think we're meant to do something together. We both said that after the second time we sat down, we, I think I said, I think we're meant to do something together. And so he said a, a podcast and I said, yeah, that would be great. And so, because I'm the kind of guy who I either never do something or I do it immediately, I did it immediately. And, uh, within, I don't know, two weeks, I had theme music, uh, which was composed for us by, uh, Peter Kursov of Pizanta music, who is a, a hip hop producer in, in Moscow that I'd met through oh, Instagram. Wow. And, um, we had uh, graphic, you know, we had um, lo a logo based on these. And it was kind of incredible, actually. Years ago, probably 2015, 2014, I saw this skull mask in a drugstore with this big, big foam skull mask. And I just thought, okay, I need to buy that. Something told me I needed to buy that. And I had this image of a guy wearing that on his head in a suit, standing, like standing in the night. So I bought the mask. I took it to a friend. He blacked out the eyes, which were kind of bulgy and, and sort of, they lit up and he, we drove out to this place called Seanigan Lake, which is a small community North of Victoria. And one night we took a bunch of photos of him in this suit by a highway. And when the time came to do the logo, 
I spoke to a designer and I said, look, I have these photos and I think it's meant, I think something like this. And so they took my photos and they turned it into the skull logo. And I just, I had, or in like the skull design and, you know, I had this idea, like, you know, into the darkness we go, that was sort of the, uh, yeah, that was like the tagline. So that all became part of it. And we were, we were off to the races. And so that's sort of how I got started, you know, and, and, uh, it, it sort of went from there. It was a very, very modest show to start. And we're still a modest show. I mean, you know, we, we have sort of, you know, like a, a per episode listenership in the sort of low five digits, but you know, it's still a small show, a very small show in the grand scheme of things, even within the paranormal field. But, um, yeah, that's sort of how we got going. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, I was going to ask you about the, um, the, this tagline into the darkness we go. So that's really, really interesting actually. Yeah. It was Um, just, um, sort of, a. yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I have to admit Ian came up with the ghost story guys. Um, and then, you know, yeah, into the darkness we go was my contribution. And, um, like the, the, there was something about the, the idea of like the tiny mountain cabin you dream about, but can never quite reach, you know, all that kind of came to me really at once. Um, you know, some conversations only make sense after the sun has set. I remember the first time that occurred to me, I was in my, it was at the gym, locker room of my gym. And that just popped into my head. And I thought, what the, where the fuck did that come from? And, uh, once the show started, I realized, oh yeah, that's where this goes. Yeah. I think some things are meant to be. I mean, um, the name for my podcast just came from, um, listening to another podcast and it was literally just a sentence that someone said. And I went, do you know what? That would make a really good name for a podcast. And then I thought, I wonder if I could do that. Let's have a go. And then you just, it's weird how things happen, isn't it? That's it. <laughs> Took me ages. <laughs> oh no am i just i was just like i hope nobody ever asked me which podcast i was listening to because i can't remember but I, I basically spent about three months going through itunes and checking every single other paranormal podcast that was anybody had ever made in the world wow holy and shit try, just to find just to find something because it was like what do i want to talk what am i talking about i'm talking about ghosts and i mean it would be like the the ghost monsters and ufo show or yeah. is bigfoot an alien ghost or something like that and i just thought oh, nothing and then um, and then my brother just kind of said well why don't you just you know you like mysteries and you like monsters so i went all right call it mysteries and monsters and that was that um which was quite funny as well because i know there was a a short-lived american tv show which is called monsters, monsters and, mysteries and mysteries in america yes. and so i've i had a, at the beginning i had a couple of emails from people in america asking me when the show was coming back on yeah. telly. <laughs> and i basically had to kind of point out that it wasn't quite the same and obviously i'm not american and had never appeared on the show wait hang on what um, <laughs> <laughs> So, um, not even in your vampire disguise. <laughs> well, no comment. Oh. Actually, something I want to just just touch on briefly is, and this is Paul's going to have to get get used to this. I mean, he's kind of used to this now, but um, that thoroughness is one of the things I've I admired about Paul, and and I and I continue to, like his work ethic, is is really something I think other podcasters can learn from, you know, because it, it's hard. It's, it, it's, you know, it, 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 you need to stay at it. You need to stick with it and you can't half-ass it if you want your show to be successful. And Paul doesn't do any of those things. I've learned so much from Paul's work ethic since we started working together. Um, 
you know, I, I've been like, I've been do how long have I been doing? I've been doing the audio in your show since summer, uh, last summer, episode 72. So, uh, nine months. Yeah. So there you go. And like, just seeing <laughs> how organ oaks, of course, you know, <laughs> who's the original singer of Grand Duran, Paul? Uh, it, was, uh, it was Stephen Tintin Duffy. Oh, yes, of course it was. I should have known that because I was a fan. See, I knew he'd know. <laughs> but yeah, so that, I just, that's that's one of the things that, that I've found, like I've really appreciated about Paul and I found really inspiring is he just, he works really fucking hard and, and, it's, it's, and he knows his shit. And that's, that's how we ended up doing the show together. You know, there was really only one person. There was, a, I mean, there's a couple of names I kind of kicked around at first, but there was always one that I knew was going to be the guy I wanted to ask. And yeah, you know, for obvious reasons. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean, really for, good. Sorry. Paul, no, no, no. You're all, sorry, Mikael. I didn't mean to talk over you. No, that's okay. I was just going to say, um, I really admire that quality because I'm much more of a, um, an ideas person and then never get round to it person mm. um, and I find I, I've been absolutely floored by how hard it is to try and do a podcast by mm. yourself mm. Um, seemed like a great idea I think I've managed seven episodes in six months and I've had to really just come to terms with the fact that you know I'm, I'm a teacher I'm a mom I can't do a show a week. I've had to just go, look, this is for me. I'm not trying to yep. get anywhere at the moment, maybe in the future when the boys have grown up, but we'll see. But I think you do, you have to work so hard. Um, and I really admire that, being able to just go, right, we have to be here, we have to do this, mm -hmm. we have to record this at this time. And I, that's something I really admire, actually. Yeah. Well, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, because for me, I... I want the people who come on my show to get the respect they deserve. So whoever comes on, I need to know what they've written about, what they've done, who, where they're from, what they enjoy, um, why they do what they do, what makes them do what they want to do. And I think for me, I'd, I used to get very annoyed when I would hear people who I had a lot of respect for uh, speak with people who didn't know the first thing about what they were talking about and just tried to have one of those random conversations. And I think if you're going to talk about the, the beast of Boggy Creek or the, the 1974 Pennsylvanian UFO flap with Stan Gordon, then the very least you can do is actually read the source material to have a decent, because I like to have a conversation. I, I'm, yeah, yes, I know what I want to talk about and I have a general idea of the questions I want to touch. But if I don't know where we're going to go, then it's it's pointless so i think the strong point of my show is it's actually a conversation that focuses around stuff rather than a series of questions and answers um which to you know and i'm not blowing my own trumpet but that's something that a lot of people who come on my show actually appreciate the fact um that it's not like a normal show they know they know they're not going to get they know that I've read what they've written and I've yeah. seen what they've done and I know who they are. Um, I mean, when I first started, obviously it was very difficult. And, you know, as with any show, um, I'd like to go back and, and fix them all to about episode 50. Um, I listened to one the other week and it was just horrendous. But never listen to the old shows, Paul. Just don't do it. <laughs> when I see my stats and I see old shows popping up, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Um, well there's there's somebody who's not coming back um and but um 
it's just and I'm obsessed with details and information and facts and stats and trivia. So um, I've always been weird like that. And I've just basically absorbed all this crap about stuff for 40 odd years. Um, and even I'm surprised about things I remember. Yeah, I think it's only courteous, though, to research a bit into, at least, the people you're talking to. Yeah. I mean, well, um, my husband was laughing at me because I've listened to 24 hours of the ghost story, guys. And you exactly. still wanted to do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, she was obligated at that point. She couldn't turn back. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I think, and, and plus the other thing is, I love reading. I love reading. I read every day. So, um, I mean, as you can see, um, when I first, I probably bought, since I started the show, probably 250 books, at least, wow. since then. I've had to buy three sets of new shelves. I have another set of shelves over there. Um, I have books on Bigfoot, on ghosts. I have books, yeah. <laughs> when, I first, when I started, I had about a dozen, and I didn't own one book on Bigfoot. Now I have now I have twenty one books on Bigfoot. Going to say times have changed, and that's not enough. I need more, yeah. more, more, yeah. more. And I'm and also I'm I'm weird like that. If I get an obsession, I will just go nuts, as my collection of Avengers comics proves. And, you know, <laughs> and, like uh, I have. <laughs> oh yeah, my uh, yeah yeah. I got another another couple the other day. Oh, what'd you um, get? So, yeah. Uh, I got uh, a limited edition Captain Marvel Black, Sweet. Uh, Domino from Deadpool. Oh, cool. Uh, and what else did I get? Uh, oh, Iron Heart limited edition. Oh, sweet. Very nice. Funko Pop. So, so yes, I'm, I'm also a Marvel geek. So I'm obsessed with Marvel comics. Um, I unfortunately, suffer from the uh, illness of supporting Tottenham. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, well, that's I... terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm surprised I've got time for sleeping, if I'm honest. Yeah, it sounds like it. And reading takes up so much time. I've just been to Cornwall for two weeks and I spent every second I possibly could dragging people into little bookshops. <laughs> and I think I bought 12 books while I was there, oh, none wow. of which I've managed to read yet about magic and fairies and mm. woodworse and you name it and then even when I was listening to your show today um you mentioned a book uh Ron Moorhead Voices in the Wilderness yes well, yeah, oh, yeah I bought that within 20 minutes of listening <laughs> right Amazon writes that's what I need to buy um yeah. when I'll get time to read all these I'm not <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea of having them all and then one day I can just sit down and read them all mm. are you much of a reader Brennan it comes and goes. I, my, I have really, um, I have uh, struggles with attention. So sometimes I can really focus in on something and then other times um, it's just gone. So some, uh, quite often when my sort of, when my focus comes around, I'll put that towards work. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, and actually that's been another great thing about working with Paul is I've been inspired to try and force myself to read more. Cause I do like it when I do it. It's just, it's hard sometimes to marshal the the brain to cooperate and so yeah i've i've read a lot more and now that i'm doing my own show in addition to ghost story guys uh largely the truth with brennan store um i'm the nature of the guests i'm having i have to do reading you know i i have to um because it, it's a non-paranormal interview show and i need to know about the topic as like paul said you need to know about the topic you're going to be discussing so for example uh, my second episode just came out 
with uh, Lee Bennett, who's the lead singer for a band out of Bellingham called Riot at the Dojo. And yeah, it's a really great activist rock band. Uh, but um, Leo is also a social worker. He's a nonviolent crisis de-escalator. He's getting involved in the space uh, that's being created in America w- where uh, the police are no longer responding, at least in Washington state, to mental health distress calls. And so he uh, he's getting involved with organizations that are sort of uh, organizing to fill those spaces. So I needed to at least know a little bit about those things to be able yeah. to talk to him and, and, you know, ask, at least ask the right question. If I, if I can't speak yeah. with authority, I can at least, you know, not ask stupid questions. And I've got guests coming up like um, a fellow, he's an investment advisor. I want to talk with him about financial dissonance and uh, financial literacy. So I've got to do a bunch of reading about that. Um, I've got uh, the host of a, I think a really great independent podcast about African folklore. So I need to know more about that. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, so I'm, I don't do much for pleasure. So it kind of making a situation where I have to read for work is, seems like the best way to get me to do it. And, and yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's a good idea. Um, I'm actually glad that you brought up the, uh, the music thing, because one thing that I really like, which is a little bit different, um, a is obviously mixing comedy with the paranormal, which is quite um, an unusual thing to do, but it works really well. But also within that, I love your little musical interludes of really unusual songs and music. How did you get the idea for that? Um, well, okay, this is where I have to admit, I basically just stole that. I mean, <laughs> um, I used to listen to, uh, for a long time, one of the, the only paranormal podcasts I listened to was I know, Mysterious Universe. Um, This was the before times. This was the before times. Um, (laughs) I haven't listened to them for about four years now, uh, almost five. And I was shocked at that discovery, but that's that's another conversation. Uh, Shocked and disappointed. Yeah. But anyways, moving on. Um, But but they had little, they had music in the breaks. I remember listening to it thinking, geez, that would be a great place to share cool new artists you found. And, you know, I, I, of course I had to learn a lot about pod safe music and licensing and and things like that, but uh, that was sort of where I got the idea. And then when I started the show, I wanted to do it, but you know, we had Jesus, like there was no money whatsoever. So we, you know, and I realized it costs money to license things. So we started by asking people, there was a guy named, um, Oh, I want to say Tim Forbes, Will Forbes, Will Forbes, who composes music for score and stuff like that. And, he was on things like, like song on one of these sites. And he let us use a few things royalty free. And then eventually, uh, yeah, it just went from there. And because for two years I had my own music show on 92.5 Stoke FM, it was a weekly, a weekly music show. I got to know a lot of independent artists doing that. And because the, the podcast has a much bigger audience than the radio show did, um, I thought, well, you know, shit, this is a great opportunity to get these guys some exposure. Cause one of my biggest things, one of my passions, quite frankly, I'm, I'm going to say it like that. I don't care how wanky it sounds is, um, I want to build people up. And if I think that you're good at what you do, and I think I can provide you with another opportunity to find a bigger audience or to go to the next level, I want to do that. And so like, and I, cause I've sort of run into this thing in my career where, I don't know much about being a working professional that doesn't involve 
carrying things, you know, like, like my, I'm, you know, my mother was the only one of her six brothers and sisters to graduate high school. None of them have ever been to college. Um, you know, I didn't go to college. I didn't know how any of that worked. I just kept working in a family deli because that's what I knew how to do. So when I finally started being creative uh, in sort of my late 20s, I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how where to go. I didn't know how you sell things or how you pitch things. I didn't know any of that shit. And I couldn't find anyone where I lived to fucking show me. You know, the um, the only people I sort of seemed to meet were people who saw a lot of potential in me, but I think were also threatened. And that's very much a thing here I've discovered is uh, people will help you until it looks like they might actually improve your station. And then they kind of start backing off. Uh, and so I decided that if I ever have a, a platform of any kind, I'm not going to do that. And if I find someone who is extraordinarily talented and I can help boost them and they buy and they, they pass me by and they go, they do way better than I am. Who fucking cares? Good for them. Like that, yeah. that shit doesn't matter and it shouldn't matter. And so doing the musical guests thing, um, that that's part of that, you know, cause I can get, you know, I can get your song in front of 15, 16,000 people maybe. And you know, it's not crazy, but it, it's still better than better than nothing. And shit, yeah. if you're, you know, like there's some artists I found on Spotify who have like, I don't know, five monthly listeners or something, and they're really talented. They just don't know how to get their music out there. So again, I can't make them successful, but I can certainly just give them a boost with whatever ability I have. And that's, that's sort of where that came from. And that, cause that, that's extremely important to me. Yeah. I think that's an admirable quality and one that I share as well. Um, having been, um, I mean, I come from Halifax, which is not too far away from where Paul is. And um, I never knew what I wanted to do with my life. I did all sorts of things. I used to work at my dad's butcher's shop. I kind of faffed around in sales. I went to art college for no good reason. Um, <laughs> and then one day I, I took a, a job as a, a postwoman um, yes. and I was walking the streets and I went, what do I want to do with my life? Uh, and it just came to me. I wanted to be an actress. And I was like, right, people from Halifax don't become actresses. I'm sorry. Um <laughs> But I, uh, I think I rang up some really famous acting agency in London and went, hello, I've decided I want to become an actress. What do I need to do? That's fucking um, great. <laughs> um, anyway, cut a long story short, um, I, I went to acting school against all the odds. I got sponsored by a really nice little old man in Halifax to go to acting school, um, blah, blah, blah. Got to London, didn't have a clue what to do did not have the first idea about what to do. And so it all came to a stop and I ended up retraining to be a teacher. And I still have this little thing in my head. One day, I don't care how old I am, <laughs> I, have, I still do am drama and things, but, um, I, but I've helped um, a lot of people who have gone on to be much more successful than me. And I think it's really important that people don't become selfish and peevish about helping people because either you help people or you don't. You don't help people with the proviso of you're not allowed to be more successful than me mm. because otherwise, I don't know how people can live with themselves when they do those sorts of things, really. No, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I just yeah. think the only real immortality is the good shit we do. And yeah. again, I mean, this makes it sound like I think I'm the fucking Pope. Or, I mean, I actually, no, fuck the Pope, but, but like, <laughs> 
you know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that impressed with myself. I just mean like in, in whatever minor way I could help someone. I think that's, I don't know. That's, that's the only thing you do that really matters is the good you do. And, and again, I haven't, I've done a lot of bad too, but you know, at least I'm trying to do something. Yeah. Wow. I love these deep bits that we get into. And then I look back at my questions and go, oh, okay, how are we going to get from there to there? I can also it make a boot. Segue <laughs> <laughs> that. It doesn't matter. I'm just having, I'm really enjoying myself. Um, so I hope, I hope you're having an okay time because I'm enjoying myself. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Um, so, do either of you actually go on any ghost hunts or investigations? That's my question. Let's go with Bob. <laughs> um, I'm actually, um, uh, well, I'm about to go out to uh, to East Yorkshire. I'm uh, going to hang around with Paul Sinclair, um, looking for Leo? some quite strangeness in Bempton in East Yorkshire because oh, yeah. um, Paul's yeah I mean that's the other great thing about doing a podcast is you know I've ended up meeting people and and, and making friends with people I could never you know never yeah, imagine that I'd go yeah you know yeah. going for a pint with Dr David Clark or wow. um, Philip Mantle and people like Paul Sinclair and um, you know the Kinsella brothers and stuff like that it, it's it's really really nice and yeah. um, you know and and getting to know all the guys in the from the center of the 40 in zoology you know people whose books i've bought and articles i've read in 14 times and um, ring me up when they're in sheffield do you want to go for a pipe paul and I, and it just you know blows me away so um, until i'd got doing the show i basically i'd been in a situation where everything i liked and enjoyed was was crap it was rubbish it was all nonsense and it really made me very very ill so I think one of the other key things about doing the podcast was I needed, I had to do it for my own sanity. Um, and it was part of my um, embracing the person I, I should be rather than the person that I'd been forced to become. And, yeah. uh, and, and I didn't like that person at all. And it wasn't me because um, at the end of the day, I'm just a well-dressed geek. Um, <laughs> so um, so it, it was just one of those things that um I've kind of embraced. So I've, I've only recently, basically since I've started doing the show and obviously I had a lot of plans and then obviously the plague turned up. Yeah. Um, but um, next month um, I, I will be seeing in my, my birthday by going uh, on the hunt for weird things. So why not? I've, done, I've started doing it. So UFOlogy and stuff. And obviously, I, you know, I didn't used to have to, do much investigation the ghosts used to come to me so yeah. um, <laughs> so that's that's one of those things but you know we've done a few things over the years and and gone certain places you know i've been to pontefract and been very unimpressed and mm. um other very famous haunted locations in the in the in yorkshire and the surrounding areas and and i've been wildly disappointed in probably all of them so far yeah. but uh, we we will continue to look for new experiences, and you never know. Who knows? You never know. One might turn up. How about you, so. Brennan? Are you in, into ghost hunting or not really? Not ghost hunting exactly. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think you've got a very strong opinion about this hiding somewhere. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Time to alienate my whole audience. No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I'm not. I've never done it. 
Uh, actually, that's not true. When I was younger, before I got into all this stuff, I lived in a haunted apartment and, you know, we tried a few things here and there. Um, I've definitely experimented with things like remote viewing and, and things like that. Uh, but no, I've never been on a ghost hunt. Um, it, it's a little bit different being in Victoria because we're kind of on, uh, we're, we're on an island, right? So you're kind of, it's, it's this weird sort of little community. And so you're kind of separated from, from things. Um, when we started the show, I sort of had hoped there would be more of that kind of element to it, you know, a little more out in the field uh, kind of exploration, but it, it didn't really develop that way. And so, yeah, it never really, never really came together, but um, I'm hoping, yeah, I, I'm definitely open to, to that, to that kind of thing. Uh, you know, as well, I, I would say as things are getting better, but as we become more used to the world, the way it is. Yeah. Um, yeah I'm, I'm open to that. It's uh, yeah. just, as I say, it's, it's not as, I won't say easy, but it's, it's very, it's, it's a different situation. I find Victoria a hard place to, uh, to socialize. And so, and also, you know, with the split in the show, you know, a large part of the local community, I, I suspect, uh, may not be as interested in having me around. So that's that's also uh, another issue. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot of it is about people, isn't it? I um, I before the pandemic hit, um, I was a member of a very small kind of paranormal investigation group, um, and it was wonderful, and I loved it. We we didn't see or hear anything basically. Um, but it was brilliant. I mean, the whole reason I've done the podcast is literally just to meet like-minded people. Um, I mean, I'm a middle-aged woman who's a primary school teacher. Not one person that I know is into what I'm into. And they all think I'm slightly deranged because I've got pink hair. Um, I mean, I live in a very, very um, staid, white, middle-class town, which drives me insane. Um, and my outlet is, I thought, how am I going to meet people? I'm not going to meet anyone in this town who likes what I like. What am I going to do about it? And this is why I started the podcast and joined the Paranormal Investigation Group. But it, it, it's all about the people. It really is. Um, it's my dream one day to come to America and... I have been before, but not uh, not ghost hunting or Sasquatch hunting or, you know, trying to break my way into Skinwalker Ranch or anything, which is <laughs> one of my current dreams. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's, it's all about the people and getting to know like-minded people, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. I work in an office, so I am the random person that people will go. Uh, one of my work colleagues is always kind of pointing people, oh, well, you know, if you want to talk about Bigfoot, Paul will talk to you, or, or UFOs, or ghosts, or curses, or aliens, or anything odd. Yeah. They just get sent to me, and and basically I'll talk to them as though they're talking about the football. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, Do they, I don't, I don't care what you think. <laughs> Do they get that look on their face? That kind of look. I get that a lot. <laughs> Well, usually when my enthusiasm, because like I'm like you, Michaela, a lot, lot of my good friends, you know, um, and, and I've spoken to this with a couple of guests who um, have basically said the same, that if they go out and certain people recognise them, that people will think that they, they will just be talking about the paranormal or ufology and stuff, whereas really they'll be sat around talking about music or films or uh, the football or whatever. Whereas when I go to the pub, I'll be talking with my mates about the football or films or things like that, you know, yeah. because um, I'm 
you know, with the greatest respect, my friends really don't give a damn what I think about what the Olympic project are up to in, in uh, <laughs> British Columbia and, uh, you know, Washington state and, and really don't have an opinion on uh, the Tic Tac video and um, what I think about quantum mechanics in the world of the paranormal. Um, yeah. What I do want to talk about is, uh, did I see that goal at the weekend? There wasn't a belter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. You have to have, um, it's almost like being two people. The, yes. the kind of everyday, I don't agree with the word, but normal person. Yes. Um, and then the person who you really are, which you tend to have to hide quite a lot. I mean, um, I'm, I'm quite surprised. My, um, I got my, um, my, I teach year five, which is age mm. 10 at, uh, nine and ten and I'm always sneaking things in like we did um, a big project on um, Neil Gaiman's books uh, the graveyard book um, yeah. and then we did a big project on the war of the worlds and it's all palatable but the, even some of the parents were saying this is just like spooky things doesn't she and I'm just trying to kind of bring in my interests very subtly <laughs> changing the world one child at a time <laughs> I, I find it odd that we've seemed to have, have moved because when i was a kid that was the, one of the best things about being a kid was reading ghost books you know like the yeah. usborne book of ghosts or the usborne book of monsters you yeah. know i was always trying to get them off the library shelf at school um yeah. you know yeah, and I, I was reading you know peter underwood's ghosts of cornwall when i was like nine and things yeah i've got all of his yeah so i mean and i, I just don't understand it because you know and reading books like you know i love tolkien so i used to you know lord of the rings and sherlock holmes and things like that you know, these are you know hand of the baskervilles is one of the spookiest stories you could you could wish to read when you're 10 and i adore sherlock holmes and yeah. so i just don't understand why we seem to have this protective mindset these days it's it's mm. good to, to to for kids to have an imagination you know you look at the books yeah. of Roald Dahl and um, and things like that C.S. Lewis these are fantastical kids stories about very strange about normal kids in very strange situations you know yeah religious fundamentalism yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um it's it's I, i'm i'm all for it anything that you know when i was a kid i used to be obsessed with dinosaurs and that seems to be like the acceptable face of oh well that's about as weird as some people like the kids to be it is odd isn't it um funnily enough i just got a book out from my uh, bookshelf today randomly because um I also like the uh, Monsters Among Us podcast. Mm. And um, on my Facebook feed popped up Derek mm. and his film crew who are filming some um, TV programme at the moment. Yep. And somebody mentioned um, that they really liked Derek's T-shirt, which was Jeff the Talking Mongoose. Yes. Uh. Um, and I thought, oh, my goodness, that's one of the first stories I ever heard. Um, yeah. And I, I'd actually recently reordered this book called True Ghosts, which has, uh, which I read as a kid mm. and really had a profound effect on me. Um, yeah. And it was the story of Jeff the Talking Mongoose. And I just went to get it out of the bookcase today. Um, in fact, today I've been listening to uh, one of your episodes. I can't remember what number it was, where you were talking about animal ghosts. Mm. I was um, um, 101, I think, actually. That was the, yeah, the first yeah. episode after after everything changed. And it was so interesting. 
Um, I, I particularly like the bit about the goat. Um, there was a, a story about somebody, oh gosh, what was it now? There were two stories that included goats. That's terrible, isn't it? I've only just listened to it today. Was I mean, it the one I, in Italy? I, Sorry? Was it the one, the one in Italy? Italy? Yeah, yeah, that we was got it. The, the weird goat that was stood up. Yes. Right, right, yeah. right, 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 right. Um, and it made me chuckle because um, I had a very um, <laughs> interesting episode with a goat. <laughs> uh, which I, I am just about to bore you with because I still think it's her, it was so funny. Absolutely. Um, so some some friends before I, I married my husband, um, we um, we went on holiday with another couple to mm. Kefalonia, one of the Greek islands. Beautiful. Um, and there are lots of goats in Kefalonia. In there fact, it's ma mainly goats, from what I could tell. <laughs> yes. And um, I became quite obsessed with the fact that there were just goats everywhere. In mm. fact, we went to, um, I can't, it was one of the, um, one of the places from the, it wasn't Ithaca, because that's a completely different place. But it was a place from one of the Greek kind of stories, legends, and I can't remember what it was called now. And it was completely quiet. And all you could hear were goat bells everywhere. <laughs> um, and everywhere I looked, there were goats. And then we were in somewhere completely deserted, but with a really mystical feeling. All I could hear was goat bells. And so I kept going on and on and on about this. And it was a theme for the whole two weeks. And then I actually thought I was going mad because every single place I went, I could hear goat bells. <laughs> and I was even in a restaurant um, next to a harbour, Fiscardo, I think it's called. Yeah, beautiful in Fiscardo. In an outside toilet in the garden of this restaurant. <laughs> I was sat there minding my own business and I could hear goat bells. And I thought, what the hell is going on? How can a goat get into the garden where I'm sat going to the loop? Um, and I got really paranoid. Um, and then right at the uh, end of the holiday, we were driving next to this kind of precipice by the sea when this goat jumped out in front of our car. <laughs> it was a caramel coloured goat. And I swear to you, in midair, the goat turned its head and looked at me in the eyes, <laughs> its scary, slitty eyes. And then it was like it was... Kind of, it kind of stopped in time and then jumped over the edge of this cliff, I presume not to its death. Um, oh, and that's that kind of um, really did it for me. It's like, these goats are following me. They're really following me everywhere. I've had enough. I think I'm going to go mad. And on the final night of holiday, I, we were sat outside having a meal and I heard these bloody goat bells again. And I stood oh. up from my chair, knocked the chair over and went, the goats are here again. Where are they? And at that point, everybody around the table started laughing and almost cried with laughter. And what had happened was they thought it was so amusing that I was obsessed with goats that when we'd been in Fiscardo, they'd gone into a shop and bought some goat bells. <laughs> and everywhere we went on the holiday, they would ring the bell behind me. Oh, <laughs> <man. laughs> and at the end of the holiday, they presented the goat bell to me. Um, and that was just... Uh, so yeah, I've got a thing about goats now. So I was yeah. I loved that episode um, with the animal ghosts. <laughs> I was I was thinking, <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking. I, I oh, am, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, after you, Brian. 
Oh, no, no. I, I, was, I was just thinking that, that I was envisioning a scenario like that New Zealand horror movie, Black Sheep, where all the sheep <laughs> go mad. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, have, I, I have a real interest in ghost, animal ghost stories. I, I just find them really, really interesting. I think um, I, they're just, there's just something different about them because most of the time they seem to be a very positive paranormal experience for the person that has it, I think. Um, yeah, um, I think so. My mum's heard her dog several times. She lives yeah. in a tiny oh, little wow. stone Yorkshire cottage, and we all we've always had border collie dogs. Mm. And um, this particular one, Flossie, um, passed away. <laughs> Flossie, yeah, yeah. Um, that's a good name for a collie. Oh, do you know they do make me laugh? Bless them. My dad had one called um, what's he called it now? Shep. Yes, of course. <laughs> Shep. Yeah. Flossie, Jesse. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and when um, when Flossie passed away, my mum uh, kept saying to me on the phone, I've heard Flossie today. I'm saying, what, what are you talking about? Mm. Um, and she, what Flossie used to do was she used to love to jump on the bed so that she could see out of the window because the windows are quite high in this cottage. Mm. Um, and she said that she often um, heard the dog jumping onto the bed and then onto the windowsill like she always mm. used to do which is really bizarre but she found a, a strange comfort in it so mm. yeah yeah very much so i just i just find them very um usually they're quite warm and fuzzy stories um my mum my mum has a dog that comes back um because she can hear his chain rattling against the um the bowl and the other two yeah. the do two dogs she's got now don't wear chains yeah we actually shared uh, for patrons uh, recently a story of these two uh, cats, one of which was kind of feral and um, just just like very beautiful, but very sad. And they, they would hear the same thing. They would hear the uh, the chain uh, as, as it came in to, to eat, even though he had passed, you know, for yeah. like some time ago. Yeah. Nick Redfern, uh, a man who is known for his skeptical nature. Uh, is absolutely convinced that one of his dogs that he had that passed uh, visits him. Really? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he did an article the other, other other week about it, talking about animal ghosts. And he was, you know, I'm, you know, you know, if you've read anything Nick does or listen to him, he's usually very grounded and always looks for the evidence. But he's convinced because he says there's no other, nothing else it could be. I know for a fact what it is, and it was one of his dogs that had passed away. So interesting. Yeah. They're, they're nice. And, and the other thing as well is that I think often domestic, um, I mean, I've had conversations with people like this, that if we consider that animals have personalities and they're sentient beings, then why shouldn't they come back? I don't understand why we just presume that ghosts are, only apply to humans. I find it a very strange concept that if you believe in the paranormal, you only believe in the ability of human paranormality, which is nonsensical in my opinion. I kind of blame and I know this is one of my favorite saws and people get pissed off at me about this, but <laughs> I blame Christianity for that because I mm. think there is this sort of Christian centric idea that humans are the ones who have souls. Yeah. And therefore, even though the Bible doesn't really build in room for ghosts, you know, you, cause if you're dead, you're either in heaven or hell, you know? And if you're in heaven, why would you leave? And if you're in hell, well, okay, I guess I can see why you'd leave. There's that Nicholas Cage movie about that. But um, yeah. I, I, so I think that's bears a lot of the responsibility because, well, obviously we're people. We are lords of the earth. We are the only ones who have thoughts. 
but as we know, that's that's not the case. And and I agree with Paul. I mean, we we had a great conversation about this uh, again on another uh, piece of Patreon material, um, Patreon.com/slash/GhostStoryGuys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I I think yeah, animals have personalities. And, and frankly, I, I think that given how easy it is for us to be humans relative for the, how easy the human experience is relative to the animal experience. I think if an animal gives enough of a shit about you to come back, that speaks very well of you mm. because, you know, by and large animals do not do very well in their interactions with people. And I think if an animal again, cares enough to come back and then it, I think you, you really did something right. Yeah. 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 Um, one of the questions I always find myself pondering is this, and it is, I wonder if there's some kind of time limit on when you can come back as a ghost, because um, if we look at, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, particularly Paul, because um, you have much more of a memory than me and I'm just a, an amateur ponderer. Um, it's a lot of the ghosts that we hear about are from the last 500 years or so. We don't hear so much um, <laughs> you know, bar the odd kind of Roman person tromping through the Yorvik Centre. We don't hear a lot about Iron Age people being seen walking around or Vikings or, you know, I, I wonder why is it all so recent? Maybe unless the energy dissipates or just thinks, right, I've had enough of this, let's sort off to heaven or wherever it goes. What do you think? Well, um, I think it, there's a couple of things that come into play there because obviously you can start to look at things like the stone tape theory and mm -hmm. is that a real concept that certain elements and minerals have the ability to record emotional events? Um, but as someone that's also read about ghosts most of, most of my life, it is a very interesting thing, and I've I've jokingly covered this a couple of times because I've said before, where are the disco ghosts? Why do we never see people wandering about with big afros and flares and 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 you know and, and suits? But then, I suppose it it's it's all a concept of well, what are we looking for? And it has to be something out of the ordinary for it to stand out, like like you know that wonderful story from the Chancellor's House in York of that poor fella fixing the pipes when the Roman legion comes walking past him. Um, and, and occasionally you'll get some of them down south in um, Suffolk and Norfolk and places like that where centurions are still seen or, or highlanders are seen running through the, the barren hills of Scotland, running away from the, from the English uh, during the, you know, the, the settlement wars and things like that. So it's, it's interesting because what, like I say, it's, you know, there used to be, when I was a kid, it seemed like there were always stories about cavaliers and and uh, roundheads and people like that. But, you know, where, where, where does everything go from like 200 AD till 1400 AD? Because then everybody's like looking, I, I mean, Anne Boleyn must be in about 20 different buildings wandering about with no head exactly. on. Exactly, yeah. But is it Anne Boleyn? Because they used to just chop anybody's head off. And at the end of the day, if somebody's got their head cut off, how do you know it is? Well, exactly. <laughs> if you see a My name is Ed Bolin. Yeah. So, and I think often people will prescribe, oh, well, it has to be that person because this person lived at that particular house, which. I think that's is, a major flaw in our thinking on the subject. 
why does it have to be that person? Unless they give you a business card that says, hello, I am the ghost (laughs) of such and such. Then it's just presumption. And then also you've also got the other aspect of, well, a lot of places have to say this ghost here because it's a celebrity ghost. You know, yeah. Oh, it's like when anybody gets re, anybody gets hypnotized and they have a past life experience. They're always famous people. Yeah. You know, it's it's never Sarah the washerwoman from Ipswich, is it? It's always Marie Antoinette or Cleopatra, um, yeah. and it's it's one of those concepts that, like, when Egyptology became really cool in the 1920s when we when we found Tutankhamun's tomb. There's a there's a real thing in spiritualism where prior to that nobody ever got in touch with egyptian ghosts or spirits or anything right after tutankhamun you couldn't shift in certain london spiritualist churches for ramatut or ramesses or you know cleopatra turning up they were all suddenly everywhere which if you were very cynical you would say that they were just making that up (gasps) to fit in with what was fashionable i mean shock horror but it's a very interesting concept that it seems that certain ages give us the majority of our ghosts like middle ages henry the eighth and Boleyn, all that period charles the second wherever we've got romans and then we've got we've got nothing before we've got nothing then and then like i say now would you recognize a ghost if it walked past you you know wearing jeans and trainers <laughs> yeah. Yeah. everybody else really wouldn't they yeah and Definitely. that's something that's come up a lot on the show recently we've had that conversation about yeah, how would you, it, it, you, we could be walking through fields, streets full of, of, of ghosts and, and we would have no idea because they're just going to look like us. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I, I, I think, again, I think our thinking on this subject is very flawed because I think we have this natural tendency to, to create stories, you know? So to Paul's point, oh, someone's, you know, Marie Antoinette died here, therefore, the, the what is happening must be the ghost of Marie Antoinette, you know, yeah. or, uh, you know, the Roman Legion marched through here. So, or it's marching through here. Therefore it must be the ghosts of those soldiers. I don't necessarily think that's always the case. You know, I, I think that we understand very little about the structure of reality truly. And I think that oftentimes certain things which are repeating, I think we are actually seeing a little bit of a breakdown in in reality a little bit of a slip you know if we if we think of reality as this sort of circular series of rotating lenses kind of moving in sync i mean every natural system fucks up at some point and so i think that sometimes you get a lens slip and you're seeing the wrong thing that's all and and you're seeing a guy working in his kitchen two years ago it's not that he's dead you're not seeing his spirit it's that you're just seeing him and i've spoken to people who've had this experience you know there was uh a friend of mine who was walking through her neighbor one her neighborhood one day and she saw a guy working in his garden and she thought something seemed off about him. And then she really looked at him and she realized he was kind of transparent. And then he looked at her and he was shocked and then he was gone. And I truly think there's some poor motherfucker about 15 years ago, who's going around saying, I saw a ghost girl in crazy clothes, yeah. you know, because it's just this brief miscommunication. You know the sort of server server malfunction in reality. I mean, I, I don't think reality is a computer. That's stupid. But, but you yeah. know, that kind of language, right? And, and so I I think there is a large portion of that. You know, and, and I think I think it's relevant. I think it's really significant that a lot of the famous ghosts, like a lot of the eras for which we seem to have a lot of ghosts, are also the eras for which we have a lot of documentation. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And, and again, I think that goes more to us looking for stories to put on these things more than it does the reality of these things. I mean, yeah. I, I think, I do think that, I, I do, I do think, I, and, and, and like, it's hard for me to believe this because it seems too good to be true, but I do believe that consciousness can survive the past the point of physical death. And, but I think that when, and we've speculated about this on the show, um, I think that when it does, it looks very different. I think that a lot of our, a lot of our earthly preoccupations are kind of tied up in our body chemistry. And because our spirit has to use the brain to operate on this world, I think therefore you are subject to the ways of that chemistry. But I think once you're out of that, I think you look very different. And I think that the longer you are out of that form, I think the more you look like the spiritual you. You know, I think like like the, the real, the, the unfettered you, the, the real you. And I think that not all the relationships we have in a life are necessarily spiritual. I don't think all the people we make bonds with are people who we have connected with, who we are truly connected with. Because I do think there are spiritual connections between people. And I think that can be really threatening. And we joked about this, you know, in, in regards to the, like t- Titanic. Remember, we were talking about how, like, what's the name? Rose Dawson, you know, she had a husband after Jack died. So that poor, that poor bastard's waiting up there in heaven for his wife to get up there. And then she comes back all young and hot and she runs straight <laughs> past him to Leonardo DiCaprio's arms. And, you know, like, oh, shit. okay. You know, um, you're, you're looking for the, the closest glory hole in heaven, which I assume they must have because glory's in the name. <laughs> but um, yeah. And, and so I think that really it's, it's hard to conceive of because it, we like to think of the afterlife as this extension of this life. You know, so it's like, oh, it's just, it's where everything freezes and it's perfect. But I mean, what, what, what in the world works like that? Nothing does. Yeah. You know, so I I think that we shift and I think that that's why some things run out. And I think that's why we stop seeing certain people because I think they slowly become less of the person they were. Um, actually a, a great example of this, my stepfather passed about eight years ago now. And when he did, um, he and my mother had been very close, obviously, you know, the stepfather, but, um, they had been together years before and they'd split. And then 20 years later, they found their way back to each other. And, you know, they had a good, I want to say about a good six years, six, seven years together before, uh, before cancer got him. But she, she struggled you know, the, the circumstances of his death were, were very difficult. She'd cared for him, you know, in the final month of, months of his life. And his adult children were very cruel in how they approach and how they, they, uh, they dealt with her. So she, she was struggling very much. And she started to feel some nights, not every night, she could feel my stepfather behind her. And it was just comforting. She, and it felt like him and she could smell him. She just knew it was him. But over time, when that feeling would come, it was less him. And it actually got to the point where she had to say out loud. And again, I'm sure skeptics will debate the, you know, uh, debate this, but I mean, fuck, they're going to debate everything we're talking about here. She had to say, you have to stop now because it's scaring me because I don't know you anymore. And, you know, there is, since then, there have been a handful of times in her life where she has been in danger. And she's felt like someone is there with her, but she doesn't know who it is, but there is someone there with her sort of almost whispering in her ear, you know, go here, not here. Uh, For example, she works in a hospital and one night she was getting ready. She had about, I don't know, 
two hours left in her shift. She was down in the basement. All of a sudden she felt someone behind her or sorry. She felt a presence. She felt something wrong. She turned around and she couldn't see anything, but she felt a massive, massive presence. My mother is pretty spiritually sensitive, even if she doesn't necessarily realize it all the time. This is one of the only times she's ever been afraid. And this voice said to her, because she was, she was backed up right against her desk. And this voice said to her, almost an intuition said, do not walk forward. Do not walk forward. Walk to your right. Walk behind the desk and just go. And she left work early, which my mother never does. But she just left. And, and she felt like there was someone sitting next to her in her truck all the way home until she got home. And I, I do think, I mean, it's very possible it's something else, but I, I do think it's, it's him. You know, I think there is a connection there beyond the physical. I think they have one of those connections. Uh, and I think that whatever version of him remains is, you know, in moments of crisis can come and, and sort of try and help her, help her navigate it. And, th and that was an extreme situation. In, in fact, actually a listener, I don't think he listens to the show anymore. I think he sort of left after the transition. But I know he went through a similar situation, but he ignored that into, he ignored, he just walked forward and he somehow broke his leg like this. You know, he suffered a very, very physical consequence of ignoring that intuition. Um, so anyways, yeah. So I think that's part of it. I think that the world after this one, whatever you want to call it, I think it's just as complex as this one, even more, if not more. And I think that one of the reasons things don't stay the same is because when you pass over, when, when that transformation occurs yeah you don't stay the same either and as someone who is deeply threatened by change that sucks you know but uh, yeah that's my my sort of two cents on the subject yeah it does um it does make you slightly worried because i think to myself well i i believe that um that when i die it's not the end i'm going to go somewhere or the essence of me will go somewhere but I think a lot of people, as you say, do sort of think they're going to be skipping off happily into the clouds with, with the people that they love um, as they were before. But it, I mean, like you were saying, even with, with your example, you know, um, if you've been married three times, which, which wife or husband are you going to go and, and be with? You know, it's, it That's must it. be some sort of... Um, otherworldly version mm. of you just your essence and maybe you do find comfort in meeting i don't know for a want of a better word essences of people that you've been connected to mm. um but i certainly think it would be at the very least impractical to think that you just went off opened another doorway and and then carried on in the garden of eden with all the people that you like because then what about all their people that they want to be with and their people that they want to be with and so on and so on. But it just get very mind boggling the more you think about it. And, and I think this is another place where, again, sort of these Christian institutions have kind of bound up the way we look at this stuff, right? Because, I mean, marriage is, you know, in its sort of like, you are, you will love each other and only each other forever and ever. Amen. I mean, that's a fairly recent invention, you know, there. And so I think that, people have this notion like, well, yeah, we must love each other. And therefore that love is, is eternal, which sounds very threatening. I might add. And, um, you know, sounds very much, you know, rub the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, 
I think that we forget that platonic love can be just as powerful as romantic love, if not more so, you know, because romantic love, there is sort of that set of preconditions that has to be there for it to work. Mm. And if those preconditions shift or can't be met, you know, then like that part of something like that romantic relationship, it, it goes away. But I mean, platonic love, if there's a platonic, an underpinning of platonic love, I think it, it can endure. And so I, I, again, I think this notion of, well, the person you love and are married to, that is the person forever. You will stay with in heaven because you love that person more than anyone else. Again, I think it's really based on cultural expectations and not on actual reality. This is when people stop start tuning out, Paul. They're like, oh fuck, he's going. Okay, yeah. well, I'm, I'm you better start talking about tits again or I'm turning this thing off. <laughs> Actually, funnily enough, because um in, in a very, very selfish way, uh, I know that my husband has just made a curry from scratch and he sat in the kitchen tapping his fingers, going, She's been half an hour longer than she said she'd be. Um, <laughs> again, welcome to the ghost story guys. <laughs> Yeah, my tea's not ready till nine, so hard line. Oh, well, you're right. um, <laughs> I've enjoyed this so much, and I'm really loath to stop actually because I'm having such fun. But <laughs> all good things must come to at least a temporary end. So yes. I have got a bit of fun to um, to end with. Now, my um, two boys are constant. They're both into hugely into computers. My youngest one is into. Um, paranormal things like me my older mm. one doesn't want anything to do with it but they're both also into very um what i think are very violent and unsuitable computer games and television programs but then i guess that's my job as a mum to disapprove of everything that they like um, um and also can i say that i'm also very disapproving of how conservative they are with a small c because i was always a rebel and now the new rebellion seems to be to be the same as everyone else which drives me crazy but uh, I digress. So the thing that they're constantly asking me is they're getting me to play Would You Rather about <laughs> really, really bizarre things. Mom, would you rather have your leg chopped off with an axe or a rusty knife? You know, things like that. So uh, I thought it might be fun at the end of the programme to play um, just one silly little game of Would You Rather. So this is my Would You Rather for you two. Mm-hmm. So, would you rather be stuck in a room with a haunted doll or stuck in a haunted forest that you can't get out of? And I will go to Paul first. A uh, haunted doll every time. Why? Um, <laughs> um, I'm, I, I think there's... I think there's scarier things in the woods to be afraid of than ghosts. <laughs> you might be right there. What do you think, Brennan? I've been in a room with a haunted doll. It was fine. I've also <laughs> been in the forest. You're better off inside. <laughs> Don't fuck with the forest. <laughs> exactly. I always find with forests, it's amazing how the forest changes the very second, even not even dark, the very second it turns to twilight, yeah. it just changes. Um, and I, um, 
as I said, I was in Cornwall and I was desperate to go searching through lots of these kind of weird, magical forests in Cornwall. But I just didn't have the guts to do it by myself. Mm. And rather unrealistically, I was sort of going through it in my head. Well, I can't take my husband because he thinks it's a load of crap. <laughs> I can't take my children because what if we meet something and then I put them in danger? So then I need to go by myself. But actually, I'm not brave enough to go walking, walking through the forest at night by myself. So Which instead, I just had to, yeah, I had to content myself with every time we drove through tree, tree areas, I was just glued to the window thinking, please let me see something, please let me see something. <laughs> Yeah, the forest has, as someone who grew up in the mountains in the in the forest, I mean, it's sort of surrounded by forest, the, the, it has its own set of rules. And if you're not called to go out there, don't go out there. Especially where you live, because Bigfoot will eat you. Exactly. All, All the bears. Or the, yeah, it, or both. I see no yeah. reason they couldn't take turns. As I, as, I, as I say to, yeah, as I say to many a cryptozoologist, the, the, the most annoyed thing we might bump into here is a, is a grumpy badger. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you're down south, you might have the misfortune of bumping into a feral hog these days. But that's about it, isn't it? It is. Um, I, uh, while I was on holiday, I um, was very fortunate to be given some money as a thank you present by the children who I taught last year. Mm. And I've invested in um, quite a really good set of infrared binoculars, mm. oh, uh, cool. mainly because I had a look at thermal cameras and realised that my money wasn't going to touch the sides where that was concerned. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was uh, so I kind of stood outside my holiday cottage <laughs> 14 nights with my infrared binoculars um, and I didn't see one thing which was a bit disappointing. But um, one day I do hope to have the courage to go into an actual forest um, and have a look around. Mm. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for um, spending the time to chat to me um, about your podcast and your interests. It's been such fun and I really, really hope that we can do it again in the future. Mm -hmm. And um, just before we go, I wondered if one or both of you um could just tell our audience where where we can get in touch with you and where we can hear your podcast yeah i mean we're at uh, ghost story guys on twitter uh, on facebook twitter and at the ghost story guys on instagram the podcast itself is available pretty much everywhere you get podcasts uh, including youtube we are uh, i think that's yeah ghoststoryguys.com is our website so if you want to find links to our merch stores or uh, bios or any of that stuff, um, ghoststoryguys.com is, is really the place to do it. If you want to find me, I'm at Largely the Truth on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find my show, Largely the Truth with Brennan Store, uh, which is in its second episode. Again, pretty much everywhere uh, fine podcasts live. Fantastic. And your podcast as well, Paul, where can we find that? Yeah, if you just look for Mysteries and Monsters uh, across all social media platforms, uh, the website is mysteriesandmonsters.com. Uh, and I'm mysteries and monsters across all social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and and Instagram as well, as well as YouTube. <laughs> thank you, thank you so much. You've been awesome. Oh, thanks oh, for having us. My pleasure. No, thank you very much. Thanks for wanting to speak to us. That's all right. Well, I'll probably edit edit out.
thank you to Brennan and Paul for that fantastic interview. I hope that we can get them back on at some point in the future and carry on having a really good chat because it was really good fun to do. Right, everybody. Well, that's about it for this week. Don't forget to tune in again in two weeks' time. So Paranormal or What podcast is now out at a regular time of the month. Oh, that sounded a bit dodgy. Um, <laughs> so we are on. Uh, we are dropping podcasts on the first and third Thursdays of the month. So um, you can put yourself a reminder on your phone and get ready to listen to us regularly. Also, don't forget to join our Facebook page, Paranormal or What Podcast. Um, I'd really like it too if you would send in your experiences to me at paranormal or what podcast at outlook.com. Also, you can go to the anchor.fm website and record a story, although it does ask you to register, but it is free. So you just need to go to anchor.fm forward slash paranormal or what podcast forward slash message. I'd really like to get some episodes out where we have listeners experiences on. So I hope you enjoyed it. And next time we're going to be having an interview with the guys from Pursuit of the Paranormal podcast, Ash and Greg. And also, don't forget to look out for the written article interviews on Paranormality magazine from Magster, which you can easily search up on Google, and it's free to read every month. And there's some really good stuff in there. Um, plus also my stuff, which is okay. Um, right, well, lovely to spend some time with you again, and I look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Take care, good night, and remember, together we can figure it out. Night. <laughs>